Amen, amen, amen. Guys, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them up to the book of Daniel, uh, chapter 6. The book of Daniel, chapter 6. When you think about the book of Daniel, typically this is the chapter you think about. This is Daniel in the lion's den. This is the the pinnacle of the book. And uh, so I had one prayer this week is, God, don't let me mess this up. Uh, It's over, and I'm like, everybody knows this story, Lord. Just don't let me mess it up. And so uh, prayerfully, uh, that's that's what we hope will happen here this morning. Uh, Guys, I'm going to ask you to join me in a word of prayer, and then we will um, read all of Daniel 6 and then talk about it. So Father, um, thank you for allowing us to gather in a place and not just worship you, but, but also um, be with you. That's the promise of your word. When two or more are gathered in your name, that you're with us. And, and God, um, that special manifestation, I think we, we all felt that. Just, just your presence with us as we worship you this morning. And um, God, my prayer is that we would all realize that our worship did not cease When we stop singing, now we worship through the study of your word. And so again, God, we invite you just to be with us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and take your proper place in our church. You are the teacher of this church. We pray that you would come and that you would lift up and exalt Jesus Christ in our midst, that we would see him so clearly that we would want him more than anything else, that we would realize that we're in great need of him, and that we would call out to him, Jesus, have me. Be glorified in all that we do, think, and say. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, guys, Daniel chapter 6. Uh, we are working through the book of Daniel. It's a 12-week series. There's 12 chapters in the book of Daniel, which means every week we show up, we break all the rules of public scripture reading, unless you're reading from the book of Ezra, in which case you, you read the whole, uh, you know, all of the law uh, in one setting. But uh, So we're going to read a whole chapter together. Maybe you're not used to that in church. Maybe you're used to a verse or two, um, but it is the word of God, and it is sufficient. And so we're going to read it and treat it that way. And so this is what the word of God says in Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse one. It says, Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom. Now, Darius, that may seem like a new name to you. Remember, we met him at the end of last chapter, where it says that very night, uh, Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom at the age of 62. So 62-year-old new king Darius appoints 120 satraps over the kingdom, stationed throughout the realm, and over them, three administrators, including Daniel. Now, these satraps would be accountable to the administrators so that the king would not be defrauded. That's important. Remember that purpose. This is why he's put administrators over the satraps so that he would not be defrauded. Daniel distinguished himself above the administrators and the satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit, so the king planned to set him over the whole realm. So, uh, three administrators over 120 satraps. Daniel's going to be over all of them. He's basically going to be second in command. The administrators and the satraps, therefore, kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom, but they could find no charge or corruption. Remember, the king doesn't want to be defrauded. Corruption, they can't find any corruption in Daniel. Uh, It says, for he was trustworthy and no negligence or corruption was found in him. Uh, Then these men said, 
We'll never find any charges against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his God. And so the administrators and the satraps, they went together to the king and they said to him, may King Darius live forever. That's a brown nose statement there. And, uh, and all the administrators of the kingdom, the, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors, and the governors have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict that for 30 days, for one month, anyone who petitions any god or man except you, the king will be, uh, uh, you the king, uh, that person will be thrown into the lion's den. Therefore, your majesty, establish the edict and sign the document so that as a law of the Medes and Persians, it is uh, irrevocable. Did I say that right? How do you? Irrevocable. See, we said this in staff meeting, and I I said irrevocable, and he's like, no, it's irrevocable. Can you say it both ways? Do I have any English majors? You can say it both ways? Yes! Joe says you cannot say it both ways. It's all right. Okay, we're going to have a disagreement here in Jesus this morning. It's a sweet spirit of disagreement in this place. Um, Okay, so that it will be irrevocable, okay? Cannot be revoked, okay? So that cannot be revoked. I'm just going to say that next service. It'll be great. That's why we do two services, by the way, all right? Just edit that right on out. We'll just just fix it next service. Uh, Therefore, sign it, king, so that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signs the written edict. Now, when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house. Uh, The windows in its upstairs room were open towards Jerusalem. Now, by the way, when you think about windows, uh, you're not thinking of our kind of windows anyway. And so open, probably just some shutters open, something like that, right? Uh, And so the windows open, and, and it says he went upstairs, open towards Jerusalem, and and three, and three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed and he gave thanks to God, just as he had done before. Then these men, they went as a group and they found uh, Daniel petitioning and imploring his God. So they approached the king and they asked about the edict. Didn't you sign an edict that for 30 days, any person who petitions any God or man except the king will be thrown into the lion's den? And the king answered, as a law of the Medes and Persians, the order stands. Uh, it cannot be revoked. See, we're learning as we go. The king uh, says it cannot be revoked. Then they replied to the king, Daniel, one of the Judean exiles, has ignored you, the king, and the edict that you signed. For he prays three times a day. As soon as the king heard this, he was very displeased. He set his mind on rescuing Daniel, and he made every effort until sundown to deliver him. So he's not displeased in Daniel. He's displeased because he realizes he's been trapped. Okay? He, he has been trapped into signing a law. He likes Daniel. And, and, and so now he, he's been trapped. And so he, fi- he tries to find a way to deliver him. Then the men went together to the king and they said to him, You know, your majesty, that is the law of the Medes and Persians, that no edict or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel, and they threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you continually serve, rescue you. A stone was brought, and it was placed over the mouth of the den, and the the king sealed it with his own signet ring, and with the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing in regard to Daniel could be changed. Then the king went to his palace, and he spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, no entertainment, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and he hurried to the lion's den. When he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, the king said, has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to rescue you from the lions? 
And then Daniel spoke with the king. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the lion's mouth. And they haven't harmed me for I was found innocent before him and also before your majesty. I have not done harm. The king was overjoyed and he gave orders to take Daniel out of the den. When Daniel was brought up from the den, he was found to be unharmed for he trusted in his God. The king who gave the command and uh, the king then gave the command and those men who maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den. They, their children and their wives, they had not reached the bottom of the pit or the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to those of every people, nation and language who live on the whole earth, may your prosperity abound. I issue a decree that in all of my royal dominion, people must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his dominion has no end. He rescues and delivers. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth, for he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. May God bless the reading of his word. All right, three things I want to share with you this morning. I think we can can glean um, from this story, the, the pinnacle of the book of Daniel, right? Um, and, and so three things that I think we can, I, I think we can stand firm on uh, this morning. Here's the first, guys. I, I want you to know that our, our faith isn't meant to be a show. It's not meant to be a show, but it is meant to be a witness, all right? It's not meant to be a show, but, but it is very much Meant, meant to be a witness. And so there's something that we, we find at the very beginning of the chapter, and it runs through the very end of the chapter. And, and what we see, starting very early on, it says the king sees something different in Daniel. And, and then as, as it goes on, it, it's clear the king sees something different in Daniel. He, 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 something about Daniel stands out. And, and what stands out, it says time and time again, right, is he has an extraordinary spirit, and he is trustworthy, and there's no negligence or corruption found in him. This, this, thing, this thing about Daniel, it's always on display. It's displayed throughout the whole chapter is that Daniel's, let's face it, even the other satraps and the governors saw it. They knew there was something different about Daniel. Like, there's nothing we can do other than find something uh, about his God. Like, like he, this dude is killing it. Every, everybody sees Daniel is a really, really, really good man, right? He, he stands out. So the king uh, sees it. So this new king, King Darius, 62 years old, takes over the throne. It's like, man, I got a big kingdom. This is the the largest kingdom on the face of the planet. So he divides up the kingdom into 120 districts, so to say, okay, so to speak. So 120 districts, he says, hey, um, there, you, you guys, the satrap, uh, a satrap, by the way, I, I wrote this down, it means protector of the kingdom. And so I'm going to have 120 satraps. You guys are the protectors of my kingdom, and, and you're going to be in charge of these 120 regions. I'm going to put three administrators over you. You guys do the math on that, 120 divided by three, and, and you know basically how, how, how many satraps each one's in charge of. Um, but as the king does this, he realizes now, oh, it says why the king does this, right? Because he wants to avoid corruption. Now, why would he have to worry about corruption? What do you do in a kingdom? You collect what? Taxes, right? You're like, yeah, it's coming up, isn't it? It's coming up, yeah, yeah. 
Taxes. You collect taxes. And taxes, that's a lot of money. And so, so these um, men to be protectors of the kingdom, uh, they, they were going to deal with a lot of money. And, and what does money do? Um, let's just be honest. It can tempt people, right? It can tempt people. And so what the king is looking for is he's looking for men specifically that will, will have the kind of character, the kind of spiritual DNA, the kind of spirit in them that's like, no, I am not tempted by those things. He's looking for people that are above reproach. And so he sees in Daniel something unlike every everything else that he sees, and the other 122 people. Something stands out about Daniel, about his spirit, about his trustworthiness. And so the king decides, you know what, I'm going to put Daniel in charge of all of them. He, he just, he'll just be over all of them. Now, now the problem with that, uh, of course, we, we've got two things going on. Uh, number one problem, you might say, is greed, Right? So I don't know these guys, but evidently they're not happy about Daniel and the fact that he's such a clean-cut guy. You know what I'm saying? And, and so we know traditionally, even when we get to the New Testament, that tax collectors were well known for, for charging too much and for keeping the profits, and then they would just give what needed to be given to the government. And so these guys skimmed off the top a lot, and, and, and perhaps that's what's going on, and they know that if Daniel was in charge, that ain't happening. And so you've kind of got this greed going on. But more than greed, guys, we've also got some race racism going on. Now, now listen, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. We live in a world where a lot of people don't want to talk about racism, but it is alive and well. And, and, and we, we can't be those people that say, you know what, I just don't see color. Well, you should, right? Because color exists and people treat, treat people differently because of their color. And, and we just have, we, we have to understand that. And so we don't ignore that. We understand that. You say, how do you know that there's racism in the book of Daniel? Because what do they do? They go to the king and what do they say? This Judean exile, this Jew, this Jew, and it kind of lets you in on, on, on maybe some of, of their thinking. So listen, we're not going to avoid those passages. We're, we need to talk about stuff in our world, right? We, we just need to be honest, okay? We, we face these same things today. Greed's still an issue. Racism is still an issue in our world, and, and, and we can't try to ignore those things. We, we have to be able to, to stand with people and say, hey, man, I love you. I care about you. I'm going to call this out. That's sin, Right? And, and, and so here, here's, here's what's going on. So, so, so Daniel is here, and, uh, and he's highly esteemed. Now, now uh, I'm going to skip past verse 2, and I just want to show verse 3. So again, this is the king's uh, goal, verse 3. Daniel distinguish him, distinguishes himself uh, over everybody, right? Because the king's goal in verse 2 was that he wouldn't be defrauded. And so, um, so that doesn't sit well with the guys. Um, they're really upset. We've got, the, we've got the, the race thing going on. We've got the, the greed thing going on. And so they decide, man, we've got to get rid of Daniel, okay? This is when you know you have a sin problem when you decide that it's okay to get rid of somebody, that somebody's not unequal to you, that they don't matter, right? In the, in the New Testament, Jesus says that hatred is the same thing as murder. And we go, wait a second, what? Why? Because when I hate somebody, I've decided they're not as good as me, therefore they don't matter. So if something happens to them, it, it, it's not a big deal, Right? And this is, this is the sin that we see going on. And so these men decide, you know, we're going to get rid of Daniel. It'll be better for us. And uh, the way they're going to do it is, is they're going to trick the king. And so they say, man, there's, there's nothing. Man, Daniel's too good of a guy. The only way we can get him is let's get the king to pass some kind of edict that Daniel um, can't ignore. And, and so they know Daniel's character. So they said, you know what? We'll have the king pass a law that says you can't pray. And Daniel prays every day. Three times a day he prays. We'll have the king pass an edict that says, you can't pray to anybody but to you, O king. King says, man, that sounds great. I'm king. 
kind of loses it for a moment, and then passes the law. Now, here's the problem with the law. Um, Persian law, uh, the king has no veto. Do you know that? King had no veto power. So that's why it keeps saying over and over and over, they repeat to the king, once you sign it, it can be revoked. Once you sign it, you can't do anything about it. It was kind of like a warning sign. King, duh, doesn't see it coming. And, and so, so that's what happens. So the law is passed, and, and sure enough, and, and they kind of set the trap, and, uh, and, and so the king can't do anything. So what does Daniel do when he hears about all of this? What does he do? Ready? It's in verse 10. It says, when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house, the windows in its upstairs room opened toward Jerusalem, and three times a day, this is what he did, he got down on his knees, he prayed, and he gave thanks to his God, just as he had done before. And now some people, a lot of scholars think that this is an act of civil disobedience. By the way, there's a time for civil disobedience, right? There's a time for, for the protest and, you know, hey, we're going to do this. Um, so some people read into this and say, man, this is an act of civil disobedience, right? I want to tell you why I don't believe this is an act of civil disobedience, okay? Because uh, of this. Now, I'm going to highlight the second half. Because he did just as he had done before. See, civil disobedience is when we plan something publicly to be seen by all people on purpose to bring attention to something that needs attention. You guys following me? Okay, but this, this isn't that, right? Daniel doesn't do this uh, to, as a demonstration. He, he does it out of devotion. See, it, it's different. And so here's, here's what I'm going to say to you is, is for Daniel, this is, this is who he is. For Daniel, this isn't a show. He, he's not doing something that is, is un, out, of, out of his character. This is what Daniel does. And so, so Daniel receives the news. Like, if you pray to any other god, you're going to be thrown into the lion's den. And Daniel's like, well, what? I, I don't have a choice. I'm going to pray to God. This is what I do. Right? So it wasn't a show. But I also want you to see this. Notice the tension in the passage. It also wasn't a hidden act. And this is a struggle for some of us as Christians, right? Because we get to the New Testament and we hear Jesus say things like, well, you need to pray in your closet. Right? So I'm supposed to pray in secret, right? You say, well, wait a second. Well, then I have to be that kind of person. I can't, I can't ever like, live out my faith publicly. But, but, but the Bible also calls us tension of Scripture to be a witness, right? So this is what it says in 1 Timothy, um, as Paul's uh, reminding T- Timothy. He says, don't let anyone despise you because of your youth. But get this, ready? Set an example that's public. He says, set an example for all the believers in what? In speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. Speech is public. That's out of your mouth where people can hear it. And so the tension of the Bible says this. Listen, as believers, okay? Uh, first of all, we, we need to highlight this. Daniel did something really important. Um, you know, Romans 13 says that as Christians, we're to follow the law of the land. And we are to follow the law of the land unless the law of the land is trying to supersede the law of God which it can never. And so in those instances, what do we do? We, we choose the law of God over the law of the land. That's what Daniel's doing. But what I want you to understand is it's not a show. He's not doing it as a show. He's doing it because this is who he is. And this is the tension of scripture, right? We are called to be a witness. What was it that we found? What, what happened? The, Daniel distinguished himself in the king's eyes because of who he was. And this is just another one of those acts. So I'm going to say to you Christians uh, in love, that, uh, two things, okay? One, we shouldn't be like the hypocrites standing on the street corners praying prayers so people look at us, right? Oh, dearest heavenly father, I thank you that I am not like all these other people, right? Like that's, like we don't pray that way. 
But we also shouldn't take our light and hide it under a bowl. And we live in a world today that too many Christians I know feel like that's the kind of faith they have to have. And so what I'm telling you is it's okay to be a Daniel. In fact, it's more than okay to be a Daniel. All right? We have to do the things that we always do. All right? So that's that's where we start. That's where we start. So our, our faith isn't a show but we do have to remember it's a witness, okay? So there's this balance in our lives. All right, second point I want to share with you this morning, ready? Is the faith that we live out consistently is what prepares us for the moments of crisis. The faith that we live out consistently is what prepares us for the moments of crisis. And uh, another way to say that is the faith that you practice today is what's going to prepare you for the crisis that will come one day, Okay? The faith that you practice today is what will prepare you for the crisis that will come one day. And if we learned anything through the book of Daniel, it's this, crisis is coming, right? I mean, I mean, it's coming. So this, this poor guy, when he is a teenager, gets taken captive. So he finds himself in, in, in entirely new surroundings. So he's surrounded, right? Then he is pressured to change. And, and then the king has a dream, and now his life is on the line. Then his friends are thrown into the furnace, right? They, they face the flames. And, and, and then he has to uh, administer through some really wild seasons when Nebuchadnezzar kind of loses his mind. And, and, and time after time, situation after situation, we just see the circumstances in Daniel's life just keep changing. And we have to be honest that that change is scary. Amen? Change is scary. It creates fear within us. The unknown does. And that's kind of the point of the study is though life changes and that's scary that God is with us. Our God is not a distant God. He's a God that walks through the flames of life with us. Jesus' name is what? Emmanuel, God with us. That's who our God is. He's a God that's with us. And so um, the reason that we can face the difficulties of life and not be afraid, but rather choose faith is because our God is with us and he never forsakes us. All right. So that's how we deal with the things of life. So now in Daniel's life, another crisis moment comes. And uh, if he prays to God, he's going to be fed to the lions, right? So what does a man of faith do under such dire circumstances, what would you do? I had to think about that this week. What would you do? Right? I mean, it's not that crazy of a conversation these days. I don't know if you're watching the, the Democratic debates, uh, but evidently church tax status is on the line, and shortly thereafter it'll be something else. I mean, there's some stuff going on. Like, 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 but listen, that's nothing compared to what's going on in China. Okay, so, so the whole NBA freaking out about, oh my gosh, we're going to lose 10 to 15% of our revenue. Well, hello, they've got concentration camps where they're, they're literally putting people in concentration camps. They could kill you um, because of your faith, because what you believe, because you're a different type of person than, than they're willing to put up. Like, 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 persecution really happens in the world, and what you're facing in America probably doesn't compare. Okay? And so the question is, what would I do, what would you do if a law came down saying you couldn't pray anymore? What would you do? Man, you can't pray in public. It's against the law. You can't do this. Like, what would you do? So would you just be quiet? Would you, would you shut yourself and just lock yourself in the window, uh, like, like lock up your doors and, and, and shut the windows? What, what would you do? And so the question, is, what prepares you for that kind of moment? And here's the answer, Ready? What prepares you for that kind of moment is all the little moments that come before. What prepares you for that kind of moment 
The only way you can be faithful in a moment like that is to have been faithful in a thousand moments before. Little moments, right? Little things. That's what prepares you for that kind of crisis, is what you do every uh, single day. And so here it is again, verse 10, just as we did before. Daniel learned that the document would be signed. He went to his house, the windows in his upper room opened towards Jerusalem three times a day. He got down on his knees and he prayed and he gave thanks to his God. What does that say? Just as he had done before. See, his daily habits, his daily interactions with God are what prepared him for that moment of crisis. How did he respond? The same way he had always responded. Friends, learning to walk in faith is the most important thing next to salvation that we can do. Period. Learning to be faithful in the little things in life that God says, hey, pray. Come to me. Talk to me. Give me your burdens. Most important thing you can do, go to God with your burdens, right? We're we're, we're told that the word of God is alive and active and that it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, that we need it, right? And so so what what do we do? We, We read it. We just do what it says. It says don't just be hearers of the word, but but be doers of the word. It says we're to love God with all that we are. Then we're to love other people, right, as we love ourselves. And and we kind of walk through the Bible. And and, and imagine this. The Bible actually wants us to live it out daily. And the way that we do it daily ultimately will be how we face those big crises in life. And if you think that a crisis isn't coming, I want to encourage you, read to the end of the book. And I'm not talking the book of Daniel. <laughs> Any of you read Revelation lately? Right? There's some scary stuff in the book of Revelation. Amen? Anybody else? Right? I mean, and I know some of you are pre- Come on, how many of you are, are pre-tribbers? You're like, nope, Jesus is coming back before tribulation. Anybody? So yeah, pre-tribber. God bless you. I hope that is the case. I, I really do. People always ask, so that, does that mean you're a post-tribber? I, it's, a, it's a, hey, I see the people of God suffer a whole lot through Scripture. So I'm praying for pre-trib. That'd be great. Jesus, come back before the tribulation. But if he doesn't, the Bible says that one day that, that all people that are gathered there are going to be forced to take a mark, and that if they don't, they're going to be beheaded or they're going to have to watch their loved ones be beheaded. Like, and, and how do you deal with that kind of moment that is coming, right? Because the Bible says it's coming. I, I don't want you to just like, like, listen, we got the American Christianity thing going on and ha-ha, everything's good and God's all about health, wealth, and prosperity and then you read the book of Revelation and you're like, yeah, that's junk, right? That whole prosperity thing is junk because here's what's coming. How do you, how are you prepared for what's coming? How will we be prepared for what's coming. There's only one way to be prepared. Ready? Be faithful today. In all the little things, be faithful today. What does God say? Then I'm going to do it. What does God say? Then I'm going to do it. What does God say? Then I'm going to do it. What does God say? Then I'm going to do it. If Jesus reigns over your today, and he reigns over your tomorrow, and he reigns over the next day, and he reigns over the next day, and the day after that, then one day, no matter how bad it gets, you'll still profess that he reigns. You follow me? It's a big deal, guys. It's a big deal. Crisis will come in life. That's what we've learned in the book of Daniel. Now, I don't know what your next crisis will be. It may be financial. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Like, crisis is going to come. How you respond, how you will respond in that moment, largely depends on how you respond today, okay? How we respond 
in the everyday is what prepares us how, for how we'll respond one day when the sky starts to fall. All right? Third point. We'll be done. Third point. <clears throat> it's my favorite. I like them all. I'm just going to be honest, but something about this kind of gets me amped. Um, no man can seal up the glory of God, right? No man can seal up the glory of God. And so part of my job uh, as your under-shepherd, I'm not your shepherd, I'm your under-shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. Um, part of my job is that I get to show you Jesus. Like, that's the goal, right? We want to see Jesus in the text where we are. And so, uh, so here's where I see Jesus in this text. So Daniel is taken and he is thrown um, into a pit, which is meant to be a burial tomb for him. He's not supposed to come out, right? So he's thrown into a pit and a stone is rolled in front of it and, and then uh, that stone is sealed so nobody can break the seal, okay? Right? You guys follow me? You know where I'm headed, right? So Jesus, after he dies on the cross, is placed in a buried tomb, and a stone is rolled in front of it, and, and the tomb was sealed so that nobody would mess with it, right? And, and, and so in each of those situations, and, and in both of those situations, it could be said that at that moment, both for Daniel and for Jesus, that their fate had been sealed. You guys follow me? That, that their fate had been sealed. That's, that's what the world will look at that. They see the seal. Their fate has been sealed. Daniel is, is going to die, right? Jesus is dead. Their fate had been sealed. It was sure. Uh, it was certain that what was going to happen to them was sure, was certain. Their fate had been sealed. Now listen, some of you came through the doors this morning kind of feeling that way about your life. You've got a situation and you feel like your fate is sealed. You feel like your marriage is sealed. Like, it's just not going to work. See that? I, I, can, I, can, I can see it. Like, it's just, it's never going to happen, right? And for some of you, that's a job situation. Like, man, your fate has been sealed. It, it's, it's, there's, there's no way. There's no way this works. For some of you, it's a diagnosis. It's been sealed. Like, there's no healing possible. It, it, it can't happen. I, I, mean, I mean, you look at it and, and you see the seal, man. You see it. Like, my, my circumstances are unchangeable. They're unbreakable. There's nothing that could be done with them, right? My fate is sealed. And, and, and yet, here's what we find is, I want you to hear this this morning, is that Jesus is the seal breaker. That's who he is. Revelation chapter 5, John having this great vision, he sees the scroll and there's no one that can open the scroll. You guys remember this? No one can open the scroll and John begins to weep. He, 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 he was there. He said, yeah, here it comes. It's going to be awesome, but nobody can open the scroll. And he begins to weep like, wait a second, what, what was all this for? And nobody can open the scroll. And they're like, John, chill out, dude, it's cool. Here comes the lion of the tribe of Judah who is worthy to open the scroll. And only he can break the seal and open the scroll. So listen, I... I just want to say this to you in love. I don't know what you feel like is sealed up in your life. I don't know what kind of situation or circumstance you feel like it is done. There's no coming back. There's no turning back for me. There's no way God can restore me. There's no way God can fix this. I don't know what you think has been sealed. You're like, man, my fate is sealed. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the one that can break the seal. Jesus is the one. There is no seal apart from the seal of salvation that cannot be broken. 
Okay? You say, why do you say that? Well, I say that because it's important. You need to know if you've accepted Christ, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, and that can't be undone. But there is no seal. There's no other worldly seal that says, you're done, you're finished. But there's no circumstance that Jesus can't change. Now, does that mean that he will change every circumstance? No. That's why we have the kind of faith that says, oh, oh king, even, even if God doesn't rescue me, I still choose the flames, Right? But he can. And we have to be a people of that hope that believe in a God that can, who is able, and Jesus is able to break the seal. Okay, it's a big deal. So what do we do with that um, application for you this week? Uh, here's my challenge. Number one, I challenge you to practice consistent faithfulness. I know that sounds crazy, but practice. What? I have to practice consistent faithfulness. Why? Why is that important? Because practice don't make perfect, but it makes you better. Um, my mom always used to say, practice makes perfect. I'm like, I'm killing myself out here shooting these free throws. I'm not getting, I'm, I'm definitely not perfect. It doesn't make you perfect. It just makes you better. Listen, one day your world's going to fall apart. I love you. Maybe nobody else has loved you enough to tell you that, okay? One day the sky's going to come falling down in your life. It'll be some kind of crisis. And how you respond to that crisis will depend on how you respond to all the little stuff that's not a crisis. All right? So either your faith will be completely shaken and your world will fall apart until God graciously scoops you back up and says, hey, this didn't have to happen. Some of you have been through that. Or that circumstance, I can see God in it from day one and I can choose to walk in faith and obedience from day one. There is a better way. So practice consistent faithfulness. Consistent faithfulness is a big, big deal. Okay, number two. Um, don't hide your faith, right? Uh, don't be showy, right? Goal is not to uh, do the fake stuff that the Pharisees did. Don't be that person, all right, where you are, are intentionally... In, in here, say, how do I know if I'm that person, Pastor, if you are thinking about what somebody else thinks about you, you're that person, okay? I love you, but like if you are getting ready for church and you're thinking, I wonder what such, such and such will think about my outfit, you are a little too worried about other people and you're being showy, okay? I, I, I mean it. I mean it. If, if, if you know like, oh, you know, I, I, need to, I need to figure out what I'm going to pray if they call on me in Sunday school class, like you're a little too focused. Like that's not what prayer is about. Prayer, by the way, uh, when Jesus is going to your closet, doesn't have to be a physical space. It's a spiritual place. I can, I can go into my prayer closet no matter where I am on earth. I can stand before men, women, and I, I won't even know you're there, and I don't care because I'm talking to Jesus. Like, that's the way prayer is meant to be. And so, so it's not um, showy. It, it, we're, not, we're not here. Uh, like, people aren't our audience. So if, if you're ever asked to pray in front of people, close your eyes if that's what helps. But, but we're not praying to the people. We're praying to God. And so it's, it's not for show. It's not for the other people. So it's just to God uh, that, that God would hear whatever I'm praying. So, it, so it's not for show, but hear me. It's also not meant to be hidden. Your faith is not meant to be hidden. I would remind you of the words of Jesus, our Savior, who says this. Uh, I did add it, right? Um, I did add it, the new ones. I did. I updated those slides this morning at 6.36, by the way. Um, so uh, I will read it to you. Let me, let me pull it up. Uh, Matthew 5.16. And so, uh, yeah, 6.36 this morning, I was on my couch, and I was like, ooh, I left out that slide. Uh, Matthew 5.16 says this. <clears throat> in the same way, let your light shine before others 
so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Jesus says we are the light of the world. And so our faith can't be a hidden faith, all right? But it's also not a showy faith. Let that be okay with tension. It's okay. I don't understand. That's okay. I don't, I don't understand everything about the Trinity. I just know God is Father, Son, and Spirit. You just rest in that, right? Just rest in that. All right, third thing. Uh, guys, believe that Jesus can break the seal, right? So I, I'm going to love you enough this morning to say that I don't know what you're going through, but I do know that your fate is not sealed. I know that to be the truth. Because Jesus is worthy of breaking every seal. He is able to break every seal because he and he alone, he and he alone is savior of the world, okay? So whatever that situation is, I want to encourage you, cry out. Say, Jesus, this, I, I don't think this could be changed. I don't know what to do, but I'm just going to call on you because I, I, can't, I can't carry this weight anymore. God will meet you in that moment. He'll meet you in that moment. He is good. He is good. Jesus, believe He has the power because he does. Okay, pray with me this morning. Father, thank you for loving us. King Jesus, thank you for your word. Um, It is good. It endures forever. I pray that Daniel chapter 6, we have seen, uh, maybe in a new light this morning. Maybe in a new light this morning. For those here that are facing those circumstances, they just feel like their fate is sealed. It can't be fixed. It can't be undone. God, would you just remind them that when they read this story, that when they think about the empty tomb, they would remember that you are a God that has the power to break every seal that man puts upon us. And so we praise you for that. King Jesus, do work in our lives this week. Help us honor you in all that we think, say, and do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen.